0: I don't know. There, boys and girls. Welcome to this week's episode of hollow Weekly Presents. Missed it by that much, where we dive into the highest lows and the lowest highs of filmmaking. Today we have a theme. Yes. Ridley Scott. Ridley Scott. I was going to call this episode Great Scott.
1: <laughs> you should. That should look the title of the episode because it turns out he's even greater than I thought he was. Like when I started going through his movies. He's a, he has a weird body of work,
0: but, man, funny I, I was
1: impressed by some stuff. It's hmm.
0: funny you mention that, because I was looking through all of his films. I thought I had seen a lot of really Scott. Turns right. out I've seen more Joel Schumacher. Go figure. Than I have really Scott. <laughs> What's that say Without about me? That's your age, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, but if you're watching this on uh, Facebook Premiere or a YouTube premiere, drop a comment because I'm probably going to be watching it live because I I love watching all the viewers blow up. So so, you know what's funny? I'm kind of doing that Wayland thing, which is going to make an appearance. (laughs) Oh my God. We're going to show up. Dude, (laughs) I've never went this full circle so early. (laughs) Episode over. Holy shit. Nick's
1: become Wayland. Thanks for joining us. (laughs) So Mm
0: -hmm. this week we are taking the highs and lows from Ridley Scott. That's our theme yes. this week. This is a fun theme. And
1: and because this is a brand new like this is the only episode 2 of this of this uh adventure. So we're it's highs and lows, but we're specifically we're looking for bad things buried in good things or good things buried in bad things. So like it's 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 not just so highs and lows could be like the best thing they ever did. The worst thing. It's not like that. We're looking for a bad scene in a good movie or a great scene in a bad movie. Mm -hmm. And with Ridley Scott, it was interesting because he actually does have a couple of really bad movies and he has some really bad scenes, but he's got a lot of great stuff like that. I forgot even existed. So, but you got notes hit me with what you, well, (laughs) Oh, Wayland is glitching. I don't know if I should start with
0: the with like the best scene. You know what's funny though? My best scene, I like, I totally inverted it. I think I went with the best scene in a good movie. That's fine. Doesn't matter. So I just did. Okay, doesn't matter. Go. I'm gonna go. With, I gotta go with Gladiator, yes. right? Because I first of all, I think that I was, love the scene you picked. I think it was one of the first gory movies mm-hmm. or movies with gore that I remember watching. Sure. And I remember watching it on like DVD when like DVD was DV. <laughs> Deep. Right. Like you right. wouldn't die forever, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I just remember like thinking, like, wow, like it felt like to me, I'm assuming what I was feeling is what people who watched Ben Hur felt. Like it felt like a yeah, spectacle. Totally. Like I was like, holy shit, like this is intense, like mm-hmm. blood rushing. Uh but I went with the barbarian hordes scene. Yes. Um oh, I love this scene. Dude, I so like this was one of the first movies that like I remember like loving. Like I remember my grandma had a DVD player. And she bought all like all the DVDs that were out the time. Back when it was those cases where like it had like the little tab and you flipped the tab mm-hmm. and then like those ones. Yeah, absolutely. I remember we had a Matrix DVD like that. But I would always go over and I would ask to watch a Gladiator. And this was like one of the first like movies where I was like, "Holy shit!" Like I think I really, 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 really like watching movies. Um, <laughs> totally. But I picked this scene uh, over over others, and I thought I was going to pick a different fight scene. But I went back and I rewatched some of the fight scenes. Mm-hmm. Actually, that's how I'll do it. I'll I'll compare. It. That's how I'll do it. This is the gem out of bad fight scenes. Not that they're bad, but they're right. just not as good as not, this one. So right. I'm, I'm technically meeting the criteria yes. of the show yes. like this. Thank God. Well done. Um, I went back, and I remember like, loving the fight scene where they're chained together. Yep. And like, they have the dudes with the cool helmets. And they have one guy who has like a bull. He's wearing like a bull skull. Mm-hmm. And I remember that being remember so him. intimidating. And then there's another scene where Maximus fights and like, the tiger comes out. Yep. You know, and I went back and I rewatched them, And they still hold up. They're still great. The effects look good. But it's just they're not a sh- they're not shot as well as the barbarian scene. There's a lot of cutaways to where they're slicing practicals and blood squirting out, yep. and it just you just feel these little notches of energy getting knocked off from the scene. Like it's still high intense, but there's totally. these little dips totally. where it's like, okay, that's a cutaway because Russell Crowe probably isn't the best <laughs> sword fighter. The world. I'm sure he trained like a motherfucker, but you know, face right. facts, he's really? probably not a great Bro- sword fighter in Bro- real life. Um, so I went with the barbarian scene where the sheriffs come out and they all. Twirl around, yeah, and that scene is like
1: a mini movie inside a movie because it's a almost like a complete story
0: in and of itself,
1: which is which is really cool. Well,
0: as I miss my face with a cup, I um, (laughs) to me it's one it's a it's it's a big character moment for him. A lot of it is them surviving and also other stuff, but this is the first time in the movie where you see Maximus who leads these army of gladiators to, to fight him. he steps into like being a general totally. again and like like in the beginning of the film when he's fighting with an yep. army he finally bands and the group together He
1: sways the crowd which is key because that's a huge yes. part of his power so like they're rooting against him when it begins and they're cheering for him when it ends
0: well also like the other fight scenes the hype leaning up to it is like okay we're gonna we're in the we're in the pits we're about ready to go in and fight but this one like the the it's heightened so much with the, with the horses blazing totally out of the thing like it goes from like zero to like a hundred yep. way too quick where the other ones it ramps up sort of gradually this is like boom you're fucked and what's really cool to
1: me about this scene and, and I know you're there's visuals and editing and all kinds of stuff that you would catch that I would not that's, that's impressive about that scene I remember chariots just exploding and that, that blew my mind when I first watched it because it was like a car it was like French Connection but in ancient right. like Rome it was weird but the, one of the magic things about that scene to me is I was telling you, like, the they're reenacting a real battle, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, it's the Battle of Carthage. It's when Rome went after Hannibal, who was their boogeyman. Like, Hannibal's the only general who ever scared ancient Rome. Like, he terrified them, right? they Roman mothers terrified their children by telling them Hannibal was going to come get them if they didn't clean their room. Like, he was scary AF. He's the guy who crossed the Alps with elephants and stormed down and just rained terror on, on Invincible Rome for years and years and years. I think it went on for 16 years until they decided to go stamp him out in his own home and they they crushed him, killed his army, burned his city to the ground, put salt in the ground so nothing could grow there again like Rome did not fuck around, like Rome was serious about it. But what's amazing to me about this is the the when I got chills re-watching this because when... The, the, well, what's hilarious about this is when they introduce to the crowd that this is the Battle of Carthage and then they introduce the the barbarian horde and then it's Russell Crowe and his straggly, you know, group of people he's got to rally and then they're like, we'll be facing the legions of Africanus Scipio and then the chariots roll in and it's all cool and shot cool and they, the, the, the chariots fan out and surround them and it's amazing. But when they say Africanus Scipio... Like, the impact of that is supposed to be, like, if we were, like... You know, General Ulysses S. Grant, like that was their hero. We don't know who the fucking <laughs> Africanus Scipio is, like, right. but he was the greatest hero of Rome. And it's so funny watching like the audience, the crowd go, "Whoa, Africanus Scipio!" <laughs> <And> we're like, <laughs> <laughs> "Who? <laughs> like, like what the fuck is that? Right? What's happening? <laughs> like, whatever." It, it was uh, so that the fact that it was like this little story, and then it leads to that amazing moment where Joaquin Phoenix, the Emperor, turns at the end, when Russell Crowe triumphs, turns at the end into the guy who arranged it all, and he's like, correct me if I'm wrong, but the Battle of Carthage, Rome wins, right? And it's such a it's snarky- to do those doing eyeliners
0: like, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right, I did not expect... But it'd be Maximus. like reenacting Gettysburg and having the
1: Confederates like run around cheering because they won.
0: like It's <laughs> yeah, like, just uh, a bizarre Exactly. No, well, re- re-watching it, because I honestly haven't re-watched Gladi, like I picked this movie because it stuck with me for this long. Totally, Um, but rewatching it, I forgot that. There's stragglers who aren't listening to Russell Crowe and they're the first ones that, get picked off. They're the first ones that get picked <laughs> right, off. Totally. Um oh, and it, ha- it has some of the best kills too. Like when the woman gets the thing sliced in half, and yeah. like you just see her upper half. That was one of the gory moments that like stuck with me. I think it was the first time I've seen someone get sliced in half. Yeah, and it's pretty it's pretty graphic. The, it, it's it's cool, weird yeah. because
1: it's structured almost like a disaster movie. Mm-hmm. Like Russell Crowe's like, okay, disaster's coming through those doors. And Dude. the people who don't
0: listen. Like in any disaster movie, they're the ones who get picked off. First. The way he takes charge, he, and I and I like I like I was telling you before I record, I got chills watching it. The mm-hmm. chariots bust out, and like mm-hmm. m- most people are like, we're fucked. The first thing Russell Crowe yells is "As one," and then they tighten up, and you're just like, "Oh, oh shit, that's awesome!" Like they're not here. I to, forgot
1: they did the they get no, dude, like the phalanx of the shields so, together. So uh,
0: when the chariots coming in. He yells, uh, oh no, it's when the Sherry's making his first attack. Mm -hmm. Then he yells as one, and then Mm -hmm. they tighten up, Mm -hmm. and then like it just flings off the Mm shields. And then, uh, when they take out the first sheriff, he yells diamond, and they all flip it again. Mm -hmm. And the choreography I think that's why I like it the choreography of them on the defense is so. Like, you know, it's, it's like the best offense is a great defense. Yep. That is, this is that totally. in film. For, well, and, and in
1: history, the so the, the I've, I in my, I don't think it's the ancient Greeks, but they perfected it for a while. They, they, there's a thing called the phalanx when everyone gets together in a square and they have their shields and then the, the
0: spears stick out. The best people in Age of Empires. The, yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
1: And what's amazing is we, when I read a, some historian described it and he was like, it was the first tank. Like that's when, true. Like when five hundred people with shields locked and spears sticking out all over come, like that's they a just run of, you over. Like that's a lot know, of force, like, which is really cool. And he fact that he turned that on the people who invented it, which is like Rome perfected it basically. So like
0: it's really cool how that plays out. And then, so they do the diamond formation and the thing plays mm-hmm. over. And then what I the, the second part that gave me chills is they're like recrafting and re-strategizing restrategizing. Mid battle. So, like, now that they have the one sherry over here, they're like, okay, we can pull that over there. We can grab the sword here. It didn't make me realize that spears have to be one of the worst weapons because if you miss, your opponent now has a spear. Agreed. And so they're throwing spears, and I'm like, that's like, (laughs) (laughs) if you miss it, you're (laughs) (laughs) fucked kind of situation. Like, they're super. uh, Agreed. They're super not good. That's Um, why I
1: never believed that one dude on Game of Thrones, the the worm. He was like, he always wielded a spear, and they always made it look cool. But I was like, nah.
0: No. That's not going to (laughs) work. The only person who can, like, and it's not even a spear. It's like that little like dagger thing the uh Yandu from Guardians of the Galaxy. He, oh, could, yeah, yeah. he controls it with his whistle. Yep. Yeah, that that makes sense, but yeah. that's more of like a, a But da- that's supernatural. <laughs> super, yeah, it's, more, <laughs> right. it's more of a dagger, I think. Right. Um Oh and then uh I, well, I I like the moment because when he gets on the horse and he takes charge, mm hmm. I get like I I got think I got chills three times rewatching the scene. It's only five minutes long. That's a lot. I needed a cigarette after watching this. Right, but it's amazing after watching this scene. But I compared it to the other ones, and like they they're still good. They still hold up. But I think like watching them improvise with the chariots, yep. reorganizing, coming together as one. It's yep. it's definitely like Maximus is like. Quit fucking with me. Totally. We're about to make sure it And happen. I, I can't let this go
1: without giving a huge shout out to Joaquin Phoenix because his spectating helps make that scene. Because he's yeah. so skeptical of what's happening there, mm-hmm. and he's not impressed. And like I was telling you before we were recording, like my favorite moment of maybe all of Joaquin Phoenix's acting is when Russell Crowe's getting swords tossed at him. It's kind of like a western. Be honest, right? right. He's riding around on his horse doing prancing moves, like like you know John Wayne would of whatever. And he catches the sword and rides off, and Joaquin Phoenix is like ooh, like that movie does, and it's amazing.
0: Yeah, it's, <laughs> what's what's kind of heartbreaking mm-hmm. is I always thought. Like growing up, I loved the other fight scenes more because they were a little bit more brutal. Yep. You know, yep. but then rewatching this, I was like, I think, I think this was I the hidden gem for me. <laughs> so, so, so that's how I'm making the criteria um, out of all the fight scenes. That's fair. This is the diamond. That's fair. And that. I'm glad you picked this. I I I am going to see if I can fit this scene
1: into my theory because I was telling you. So let me let me I I have a theory now I realized in physics they have a GUT which is grand unified theory. Yes. And I realized getting ready for this podcast that I developed a grand unified theory of Ridley Scott which I'm calling gutters. So so uh, this is the next movie G2RS. So so here's the thing. Here's I'm picking um as my Good scene, great scene in an, I think it's really good, but most people will think it's just okay movie, is the end of Prometheus, right? But before I get to that, let me explain that, like what I discovered, this is where I discovered my theory was the self-surgery scene in Prometheus, Mm -hmm. right? But by way of Martian, so watch this. So like, I think that Ridley's got, is someone who thinks the top layer of authority is crap. Mm-hmm. The mid tier of authority is really, really are really, really good people. And bottom people who basically just obey and never rebel and never question are also crap. So he's seeing humanity, or at least professional humanity as a shit sandwich. Crap on top, crap on the bottom. And then hardworking, really good people in the middle, especially like the just below tier of the people who are in charge, right? right? So like in The Martian, Jeff Daniels would be crap, right? And then all the hardworking people at JPL, the the lab, and all the people trying to get Matt Damon back home and all the people on the spaceship that, that were part of his crew that are coming back to get him they're all amazing, like unreservedly amazing, right? Mm-hmm. And if you look across all his movies, you find this again and again and again. So like in Prometheus, Wayland is crap, right? The engineers are crap, but the people underneath them, the people who are working like, like are basically like sort of authorities, they're amazing. The people in
0: Alien Salt on the, the earth. Ship,
1: yeah, exactly. They, and then the people who just are like, no, there's no alien on the ship. Everything's fine, like, whatever. They're also crap. So, like, it's layered like this, right? Right. Which is weird because when you look at, like, I think when you're watching the self-surgery scene in Prometheus, what you're seeing is you're seeing pure Ridley Scott. It's the distillation of everything he believes in. So, like, if Ridley Scott was on a set, he doesn't want to be crap. He's, 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 in charge there but he's not in charge of the studio so he's basically at the lair of where he would like, thinks everyone is right. amazing which is like right like him so like and when he's on the thing instead of like dialing up the studio being like i can't figure out how to get this made i need more money whatever that's not his style at all he's like i'm gonna figure this shit out so like when when the self-surgery scene happens and she's like i have an alien inside of me fuck, i'll take it out myself I'll do it myself. <laughs> it's like watching you. him on a set. Them being like, the the special effects machine broke, and you're like,
0: fine, I'll just, I'll put it together myself. Isn't there like, a filmmaker who was mm. famous for saying, "Fuck it, I'll do it myself"? Probably, and that's pr- it's, it's probably
1: like him. Like I think that he. But the the more interesting thing about this it, to me is that it gave me the realization that sometimes directors ideas make their scenes more intense and more interesting right but it also depends on the quality of the idea right so like i'll give you an example i think the self-surgery scene in prometheus is, is really amazing and i think it's intense because we're watching a scene that's actually a director explaining why he's a good director but what that's part of what's happening in that scene It's built into the scene because he, if there's something that Ridley Scott believes in to the core of his being, it's we can get this done ourselves. I that's, had to write that that's down. That's his effort.
0: Quality and of the idea.
1: It's the quality of the idea, right? So like when he really focuses on an idea, he turns out great scenes. I'll give you an example where that doesn't work. Michael Bay is super patriotic. But when he focuses on patriotism as the idea, his movie gets worse, Because his talent is just visual. Right? right, So like when he when he's like, I'm gonna focus really on this idea. It turns to shit because it's it's because patriotism is too broad an idea. You got to like have more interesting shit in there for it to be interesting. Right. Ridley Scott is like, you know what? We can take care of ourselves. Like I swear to God, after after watching the, to get ready for this podcast, I realized Ridley Scott was the guy I wanted in my house if a zombie apocalypse broke out because he would just rig everything and like make it happen. You make one of those. But,
0: big sense of the alien.
1: You <laughs> would totally win. So if this is all by way of me just like, like saying, so like when you watch the end of Prometheus, which I think the whole end sequence is genius. And I think it's actually better than the equivalent scene in Last Jedi when they when um Dern kicks into hyperspace and cuts all the fleet. Right, right. Like that's an amazing scene. Don't get me wrong. But the way that it's filmed when that crew sacrifices themselves to, to, to to steer their ship into the engineer ship to bring him down and prevent him from going to Earth. It's the distillation of that idea. The whole crew, as a crew, they decide collectively they're going to do this, which is exactly what happens in The Martian because the mid-tier people are their own collective authority, right? Right. So, like, they decide... He, the captain's not like, we're going to commit suicide. He's like, we we got all got to be... Well, whoever's left. Mm-hmm. We got to be in on it. And they all agree. And then they all throw their hands up in the air. And they're like, ooh, like cowboys. And they shoot at the engineer ship and they bring it down. And it's mid-tier authority... Bringing down big authority, and the scene is amazing because it's exactly in line with Ridley Scott's best idea, right? So like, damn. So that's to me the reason why that scene really stands out and is filmed so deliciously is because Ridley Scott, whether he knew it or not, is like really in line in in a personal alignment with like his his top skills, right? All all at once. So the rest of for me these. The, the the things against it, like the why is this a jewel in mud? Well, the characters suck. And to be honest with you, I think most really Scott characters suck. I think all of the bit players are really flat and 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 not that well fleshed out, not that well written. I love the Martian. I'm gonna talk about it a little bit later, but mm-hmm. like Like, let's be honest, those characters are caricatures. There's, like, you know, the smart-ass lieutenant, the captain who's really all-duty and, and, you know,
0: like, has to keep it together. Basically, if you took characters from, like, Alien 3 and you just turned the knob to, like... Three. <laughs> totally,
1: totally. I don't think his strength is like really, really fleshed out characters. To be honest, right? I think his his strength is whatever. And if you think about like Thelma and Louise, right? Like what happens in Thelma and Louise? Harvey Keitel, mid tier authority, is trying to tell the, his boss, "Don't send all these police after the women. Don't do this." Like, they spoiler, they die, and and, and <laughs> <laughs> they <got the> spoiler, <laughs> so like so like he's and then he's running after them because mid tier authority. Does, didn't have enough authority to stop this tragedy from unfolding, right? Like it's everywhere in this fucking work. Wow. I anyway, I thought the end That's of Prometheus cool. was absolutely fucking excellent, and I agree that the characters in that movie aren't that well fleshed out, and there's a lot of questionable choices. It's still in my top five Ridley Scott
0: movies. That movie, that movie did what took Halloween three, like decades to do, in like six years. Totally.
1: I mean, well, maybe less there's still that. a lot of people who hate on it, but yeah, I
0: agree. But the love for it is heading in that direction. Yeah, yeah, for sure. At a rapid pace.
1: And that's why Alien Covenant is so forgettable. Because I still have not seen it. It is Covenant. not in line with this idea at all. Like, I, like, none of these things are happening in Alien Covenant, which is weird that he would get. I think he just went back to what he thought worked with Alien, but left behind his own best idea. <laughs> and weird. that made a really forgettable movie, even though most. People like Alien Covenant more than Prometheus. I have it flipped. I think Prometheus is better because it's in line with what he does. Okay, so I need to check out Alien Covenant. This is my and I can weigh in. (laughs) That's my Prometheus rant. (laughs) Well, we're gonna keep it there.
0: (laughs) All right, we're gonna keep it there. Let's do it. So my the worst, the worst of really Scott, in my opinion. Yes, I forgot that's how we were doing by director. I was trying to justify the Gladiator pick. (laughs) I'm like, I don't fucking have to. to. I have to. to. Uh, I actually wrote it down. I wrote down uh pete fucking whalen <laughs> old uh, specifically old yes pete fucking whalen yes because i like i like guy Ritchie as an actor a lot and the the other scenes with him when he's uh younger yes. considerably younger yes uh with uh magneto yes michael fassbender yes i like all those scenes totally. like they're really like they're really well shot but when he comes up as the old wayland when they when they try to throw you a little curveball oh he's long fucking gone i've never liked that scene no nope. like it always i always bumped with it and like you know i don't think it like it makes the movie like super terrible it's just always like, like no it's like bringing
1: back like, the emperor and rise of skywalker it's equally successful well what
0: my reasons for this one are are they're not as awesomely deep cut as yours <laughs> mine are very vain i just think the makeup is fucking ugly True. i think I think it just looks terrible. Like, I agree. like uh, Johnny Knoxville, or not Johnny Knoxville, but <laughs> the people who did his makeup for Bad Grandpa got nominated for an Oscar because they made him look like an old guy mm-hmm. convincingly. Mm-hmm. And I know, like, I, I'm, not, I'm not blind to like, it's, there's a little bit of style in that he's supposed to be so old, right? Like, you know, he's supposed to be so decrepit. Right. I get that. But, like, he's, I, I don't like it. Like, it just doesn't look right to me. And maybe it's because I've never seen someone live to be however old he's supposed to be <laughs> in that age. But, like, definitely I, have not. I immediately compared it to Grandpa from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Sure. And I think that looks better. I'm, like, 1,000th of the budget. Right. 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 To me, so, totally. to me, it bumps. And then also, uh, when when he shot, um, or in, in, in the beginning of the film, like, there's this really pretty, like, all-white backgrounds. And then when he's talking to them in his office, it, like, it... He's in like this orange dusty Saturn. It reminded me of Doom three slash Quake four when they came out. Right, Quake four I think was like one of the first three sixty titles that dropped. in Doom three, but it was they always had like these alien planets. It always it was always like Mars and it was like always dusty. Totally. It just doesn't look good. Like the tech of it looks weird. I the agree. tech in Alien like always has this like cool distinctive look to it has a feel as a texture especially like like an alien like it's all black and like there's always steam and in the beginning of this film it's kind of like an apple commercial
1: (laughs) (laughs) it is and there's a lot of really cool looking tech. Like when the the flamethrower scene when they get back to the ship, that's yeah. shot amazing. And that looks like alien tech, but in a in a bigger space. It not, just not as claustrophobic. So he could do it right, but he did not do it right. And through. it just
0: felt weird. Like it just felt out of place. Like they do everything else so good in this movie that feels good. Like this just feels like last minute thrown together type type thing and i don't even mind the fact that he's holographic it's just the background i'm like why is he in this ugly fucking place yeah and i don't think he
1: adds anything to that i mean i get the hubris of him trying to we're
0: trying to find right
1: well and that it sort of makes sense and i get how on paper it would have looked like whatever but i just i think you're right i don't think that is interesting although it makes me realize while i'm thinking about how ridley scott likes that the, the you know, the pull yourself up by the bootstrap workman-like. Of course he named the people who made everything engineers. Jesus Christ, he's so obvious.
0: And my, The other thing about it is the twist is Waylon's on the fucking... Yes. He's with them. Yes. And we know how... Like, I, I, I think if I hadn't seen what Waylon looked like then and was judging how right. ugly he was and then we meet the engineer and then turns out he's alive and he, he's that old and decrepit, yep. I think that would have landed a little bit better.
1: Well, and I liked what you said before we were recording about how you like the anonymity of the Whalen Corporation. Yeah. You like the W and the logo and like, once you start to meet the people, it just becomes some like so I could
0: Google what the Waltons look like, right? But I'd rather just hate Walmart. Yeah. <laughs> like it's so much easier. Also a W. So. Yeah, and there but, you go. Except so they good. got the smiley face <laughs> that they. Retired. Although
1: in Ridley Scott's defense, I have a feeling that a thousand years from now, when whatever is left of humanity crawls out of whatever to Jupiter three like, a billion miles away, there's going to be, like, a 5,000-year-old Jeff Bezos who tumbles out of that fucker. Dude. like All like, like, <laughs> screaming. out with, like, two croquains, and I'm like, I'm sure that's... The whole... It, was, it turned to <laughs> dust. <laughs> At that point. But that's... the But really, that's
0: the only thing that, like, I super bumped on with Prometheus. Like, yeah, it's always yeah. the one part where I'm like, oh, this ugly fucking scene. And then they try to set up the whole thing where, like... He's like, um, you know, Magneto's my side keep calling him Magneto. Magneto's my side. Yes. The show he's thrown, it's like, ugh, but I wanna be someone and I don't <laughs> give a shit about that. Just go do cool space shit, man. Like right, I don't, totally. Who cares about what this crusty old fuck thinks? Which is why the ending is But I will say nation. this. I will say this though. I do I do like the ending when the engineer kills him Yes. and he says there's nothing and then Michael Fassbender goes, I know. He goes, Hope you have a great journey, Fred. Yeah. I like I, I like that so that was good. It's not that Wayland completely ruins it or takes it out from it. It's just that one moment that's just it just how it's executed and yet It's just a little it's just a little weird. But then when he dies, like that's fucking cool, Yeah. go back to being the faceless corporation.
1: <laughs> right, well, yeah, exactly. Like whoever Junior Wayland is is well, I mean like, Or
0: the that's just the sad guy from <laughs> Alien Three. And and Alien
1: 3, talk about anti-authority. All right, so I will buy that. I I have a truly terrible Ridley Scott movie to present to you for my good scene buried in a movie. Um, I actually should have shown you the scene before, but I think
0: you have an idea what it is. Well, I'm going to be adding it together. So so The
1: the Counselor is a truly terrible Ridley Scott film. I've never even heard of it. And let me tell you something. The Counselor has to be... The most disappointing mainstream Hollywood movie of maybe my lifetime. Like I'm putting this way up on a reverse pedestal. I'm putting it way down. You're digging a a hole. Like whatever. Because let me tell you. Let me tell you about this movie. So it is very possible, as we sit here today, that America's greatest living novelist, maybe one of America's top five living artists. Mm-hmm. is Cormac McCarthy. He's a novelist who, it, he he's written Blood Meridian, which is one of my favorite novels ever written. He's an absolute genius. Not only is this guy a legit, like, like you're living with like F. Scott Fitzgerald. This is a guy who could who could have written The Great Gatsby. He's that good, right? Right. Not only is this guy still alive and still with us, but he's also a science genius. Like he's he goes and hangs out with like physicists, like he, at the Manhattan Project. This is a guy who could work on the atom bomb in the day and write fucking Moby Dick at night. Like this guy wow. is so packed with talent, it's not even fair. And he wrote No Country for Old Men. <laughs>
0: Right? I thought you were going to so, say show tunes for so, no,
1: so just so you know, he's written things you really, really love. Like So it's, when he brings the heat, right? he gives you something like No Country for Old Men, right? So this is how good this guy That's can be. That's a bar. Right, and <laughs> the counselor is hot garbage. But wait, it gets better. So it's directed by Ridley Scott. It's written by Cormac McCarthy, and it's starring Michael Fassbender, um cameron diaz and javier bardem amongst others oh and and brad pitt the cast was insane right it's 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 it should have been the saving private ryan of of like whatever genre this movie is which was basically like this movie is basically sicario that's the genre of the movie
0: Gotcha, gotcha gotcha so this
1: movie should have been as good as sicario maybe better because it as had a better writer, too? yeah. I mean, why not? It had the, the uh, America's greatest living writer possibly, That's right? Crazy. So like, it should have been all of those things, right? And this movie is basically as good as Paul Blart: Mar- Mall Cop is basically where I, I would. did see that in the theater. <laughs> so like, to have it be there is just astounding that it's that bad. There's actually a scene, I kid you not, this is legendary. It's, I'm only telling you, everyone else listening who have even heard of this movie, this is the only thing they know from this movie. There's actually a scene where Cameron Diaz fucks a Ferrari? The car. So Javier Burnham's sitting in the car, and she has sex with the car while he's sitting in the car watching her have sex with the car.
0: So- it's crazy you mentioned that. I've been getting Facebook ads for Ferrari, or no, Lamborghini wine. Oh, maybe that's what it is. I,
1: it could be a Lamborghini. Doesn't anyhow. matter, but I, it doesn't matter. Sex but anyway, car. she she
0: has sex with a car. It's ludicrous.
1: It's like watching Bugs Bunny. Does the car honk? It's, I don't know. I could <laughs> never like, get honk through. honk honk. I could never get through it, dude. And if I showed you a picture of how Harvey Bardem dresses up for this movie, you won't even believe me when I show it to you. So like, this movie is a disaster. I it's a complete clusterfuck, and I don't know why. But, but the
0: car got nervous before they shot <laughs> <laughs> today's the day today's the car, our sex, car, sex scene the
1: car smoked afterwards though. the exhaust <laughs> the was exhaust like, went out like, so like this this car this movie is a fucking disaster but but so missed it by that much this podcast you're listening to right now or video if you're watching it right now is a Hallowekly presents Hallow weekly is a horror thing and and generally and and there is a scene buried in the counselor that is scarier scarier than anything that I've seen in a horror movie since well maybe it's equal to hereditary but it's scarier than anything I've seen in a horror movie for years this scene terrified me I couldn't sleep after I watched it I had to google everything about it yeah I can't get it out of my brain it just sits there and fucks with your
0: head like once like you car. see well yeah what once... <laughs> you think they put a car cover <laughs> So you're talking. I'm just imagining. This a car movie home. has
1: gone way off track <laughs> from where I was at it. But okay, so I, I I can't explain the car scene. Well, well but, but, <laughs> back to the horror. But but so th- there is a. Do you know what I'm talking about? I I do no I, idea I, what I'm
0: talking. I, about. I, yeah. I can't even imagine what a frame of this so, film looks so like. So here's the thing.
1: I'm gonna show. I, I'm gonna do something we've never done before. I'm actually gonna have you watch the scene while I talk about it because it's tiny, right? Mm-hmm. But but here's the thing. So while I'm talking about this, let me tell you something. There there is a assassination in this movie that happens because of this, you know, thing, and if Brad Pitt is basically the center of it, but what's amazing about this is that everything Ridley Scott knows how to do well, he incorporates into this scene, because what he's doing is he's shooting it like a horror movie buried inside a political thriller, right? And, and well, not, it's more like a legal thriller, I don't even know, it's Sicario, but but this you. scene is is more disturbing than anything in Sicario. Imagine that, because that's one of my favorite movies of like whatever. I
0: was right? just thinking Sicario too, C- yesterday. Sicario
1: two is amazing. What am I the watch way. That. But here's the thing: so like when this scene is shot, what's happening is in this in this moment is that there is a um, there are people going by in the scene, and a couple of them are going to kill Brad Pitt's character, but you don't know who they are. So like there are people joggers wow. going by. There's this music building, and Bravitt's just strolling, being confident because he's this highly successful like attorney, or whatever, who's about to get wasted in the worst way possible. So you watch this while I talk, and it's it's literally ninety seconds. And um, oh, I think I might know. And what, you might know what I'm talking about yeah, as, soon as soon as you, as you see it, you So like, but but you, the thing is that not only is this scene super disturbing, but what you're discovering while this happens is that it's being coordinated and planned by, by Cameron Diaz's character, basically. And Brad Pitt knows that he's about to be boletoed because it's a boleto that's gonna kill him. And he knows that it doesn't instantly kill you. He knows exactly how this works. So when it happens to him, he knows how he's gonna go and you get to spend the next minute with a person who knows how they're going to die and is pissed off and terrified and sad. And you go on this 52nd emotional journey with Brad Pitt and Ridley Scott does these couple genius cuts where it's edited. The rest of the scene feels real time, but he makes it artificial right in the middle of it where he's cutting to Brad back to Brad Pitt. And I love Mm. that director's choice when he does it to him. And then when the thing kills him, it is the worst possible way to die like there's no worse way to go than this scene right everything about the scene is masterful it 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 literally is if hitchcock was mixed with 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 like the most brutal filmmaker you can imagine that would be what this scene plays out as it's basically brutal hitchcock and and the fact that it's it's buried in this this unforgettable moment is buried in this absolutely fucking terrible movie, is just astounding.
0: Jesus I mean, Christ! Right?
1: So Nick's sorry, in real time. If you're listening to this and not watching, and Nick is watching the scene unfold as as it goes, right? Wow! But that broad anyway, daylight,
0: right? And people just watching, standing around. Oh, I was I knew I knew that was gonna happen to his fingers. <laughs> I think everyone did. As soon as you see it tucked in that wire, you're like, right? oh, wheels are gonna right? go.
1: And and Ridley Scott set the scene up because he has Javier Bardem explain to Michael, Michael Fassbender earlier in the movie what this is, so you know, Ridley Scott puts you in Brad Pitt's shoes. You know what's going to happen to him as soon as you see it happen, but you, you you're playing it out in your head and Ridley Scott's showing it to you at the same time. It's pairing your imagination making it bad and Ridley Scott going, "You think your imagination can make it bad? He's like, let me show you how bad we can we can Dude. make this motherfucker." So oh, and there goes his head. Yeah.
0: Wow. Dude, That's if I had absolutely if anyone, if I it's ever terrifying, caught words that that might happen to me, you better believe I'm going to look like Wayne's girlfriend in Wayne's world, which has the <laughs> big fucking neck brace <laughs> on. Like, I'm putting, like, a chastity around my thigh, Like, a neck chastity. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not, like, I'm wearing a night suit. Like, put that shit on me. See what happens. You gotta catch his totally, hands. And
1: I think it's just amazing when it when they zip it over his head. And, like, the jogger who does it to him, you see him earlier in the scene. He goes by harmlessly. Because that's how chess move this was. Like, they were like, he, they, we want him to think that there's joggers in this area and they're not to be feared. They steal the briefcase from him, which is the whole goal of this thing. So, like, when he drops it, there's, like a runs by and just snags it like the, it's all
0: perfectly orchestrated like the like, bee cage from wicker man is what I'm wearing yes <laughs> I mean <laughs> this is a worse way to go than in the wicker no no, no. I'm wearing that to protect myself from <laughs> that I'd rather be, have my fucking head in there with bees, dude. But it, it, Brad Pitt,
1: like he's you know I I know it's it's common now to understand like that he's a great actor and that he's capable of really great things. But his authentic like fuck you, he screams when the guy puts it around him because he knows it's the last thing he's ever going to get breath to say, and he's just mad, right? Like it's it's a perfect scene. That's so, garbage. It's a perfectly horrifying but perfectly executed scene. Sitting in a hot pile of garbage for some reason. So. I wanted to defend this because if you haven't seen it, first of all, don't. If you're if you're weak, if it, like stomached at all, don't don't. don't I mean, don't that's like, scene, but it's a terrifying scene. He does
0: gore really well. He does. Hey, damn. I never, I never I never. I. I know. I love. I love Alien. I love Gladiator. Mm-hmm. And, but I never be like really, Scott. Oh yeah, the guy who does gore really well. Right.
1: But the guy who can put together a scene like Hitchcock good. I mean, everything that about that scene. scene is Hitchcock. That scene is gory. North by Northwest.
0: Well, what's, I mean, what's funny is is I think teasing the fact that someone's going to kill him before you watch the scene made it, like the whole time you were sitting there talking i was like looking at all the people like okay who's gonna who's yeah because be they're you joking
1: wear. about it early in the movie javier bardem's like have you heard of a bolito and michael Fassbender's like no but i've heard of a bolo and he's like no it's not a bolo he's like it's this thing it inexorably closes around your neck once they pull the tab you're done for and michael Fassbender's like there's no way to stop it he's like you can't no you can't cut the cord like it's just gonna and like whatever, and and Michael Fassbender's like, yeah, that sounds terrible. And he's like, it is, it ain't pretty. He's like, ha, ha, ha. and they walk away, and you, he he just you just I mean, it's literally an hour before it happens, so it's just sitting <laughs> there in sitting the back it. of your head, like it's just sitting there, right? And you don't know that's going to happen when this scene's happening. You're watching Brad Pitt stroll down all mm-hmm. confident, like whatever. You know something bad is coming, but you don't know it's this. And then that's what I'm saying is, it's this genius moment of you know like it it would be like spielberg being like with jaws like you you think i'm not going to show you the shark like i'm going to let your imagination make it worse than it is i'm going to show you a fin i'm going to show you struggling in the water like whatever and then later pulling out the shark but ridley scott is like i'm not going to show you the Bolito. i'm going to tell you about it and then when it's happening your imagination is running on the exact same track as it that doesn't happen in jaws but here you're like Oh, my God, what's going to happen? It, like, you did it. You did the same thing I did. You're like, his fingers are dead and to go. Like, right? Like, you knew before it happened that it was going to got be a
0: confident Like, in Jaws,
1: you don't know when, when when the shark reveals itself. You don't go, I bet it's going to eat the back of the boat or whatever. Like, your brain isn't thinking that way. But with this scene, you're like, I bet his fingers are going to pop right off. And you know what's interesting I about do?
0: that? A lot of horror filmmakers try to do that. They always try to be like, I'm going to show you something worse than you can imagine. And then it never works. Nope. But really, Scott teaches a master class on how to make that happen. Yeah, and
1: he's really good at putting you in a situation. That's why the only thing I like about Alien Covenant is the end. Because at the end, there's a spoiler. There's a switch. And the 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 androids, whatever he is, the Michael Fassbender's David Walter character, the, the, the he the one you think survived is the... You think the nice one survived, but it didn't. It was the evil one, David. And then he's putting all of the crew down into cryogenic s- sleep. And the 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 hero the that's left she's about to be like snuffed out in the bed, and she knocks on the glass and she's like Walter and he's like yes and she's like, when we get to the planet do you think it'll be nice and he's like I think if we're kind it'll be a kind world, and she goes. Oh. She goes, that's so relieving. And he's like, okay, well, nighty night, you know, I'll wake you up in in 10 years when we get to the destination. And she's like, okay. She goes, oh, one more thing. He's like, yes. She goes, when we get there, will you help me build the cabin on the lake that I told you about? And he's like, she's like, the cabin on the lake. (laughs) She's like, she's like, the one I... David, he's like, nighty night. And it puts her down. And she's like, no. And she's screaming and she's just being snuffed out like a candle, right? And like that feeling is like being killed by this thing. You know, it's coming. She's in there like, I can't get out.
0: He's so good at that. heightened dread. So good. That's how it. I would describe yeah, that. Totally amazing. Okay. <sighs> right. Well, those are the highs and lows those of those <laughs> Ridley
1: Scott. Highs and lows of Ridley Scott. His- oh, and by the way, shout out to that amazing scene in The Martian, the. Um, Oh, yeah, the you were toying with that one. The explanation scene, with that was Donald my Glover. honorable mention, right, with Donald Glover where he's he's having them stand in different parts of the room, you be Earth, you be Mars, and then he's got a stapler, and he's walking around, and he's like, this is the spaceship. And he's explaining his system or whatever because it's the distillation of what I'm talking about, about, like, how Jeff Daniels is crap. And he doesn't even he doesn't even know he's the director or NASA. Yeah, he, like, grabs his pen. And he's <laughs> like, what's your name? He's like, uh, Jeff, up. The director of NASA, he's like, "Cool, you're Earth." So he's like, blows right past him. <laughs> like, I don't give a shit what you we are. Got a man's the same.
0: Completely mad, David Hagel. <laughs> Which is
1: amazing, but like, there's the the fact that like every director has to get exposition into a movie, especially a complicated one. Mm-hmm. So if you've got to explain science to a mass audience, right? Like, especially if you're thinking this is going to be overseas and they're going to be reading subtitles and like whatever, how are you going to do it? And he stages it beautifully, but there's drama in the scene. Of how it's playing out while he's giving you the exposition dump. I mean, that is masterful filmmaking. Exposition dumps are, 99% of the time, they're annoying. He made an exposition dump like an action scene. I was with the stapler going around the room. I was like, I I, hope it makes it.
0: I left the Martian field smart. I was like, I think I learned something. (laughs) Right? right, (laughs) I don't know what. But like, something's probably playing it.
1: Right, totally. And that's why... the character, I forget his name right now, uh, which I hate, but it's the guy who was the first season of Game of Thrones. who He's the guy in The Martian who lets the crew know that Matt Damon was alive and that that there's a way to go back and get him because Jeff Daniels doesn't want them to know. He's sitting in that room at the table, right? Mm-hmm. And the weird thing is, is that he's halfway between the authority thing. Like, he's sort of... Uh, equal to level of Jeff Daniels because he's the boss of the crew and he's also not, which is why I think Ridley Scott doesn't know what to do with him because he doesn't fit his idea. He's like, I don't even know where to place you. That like, area, like, yeah, exactly. So like, his character's weird. You don't know whether to root for him or not because Ridley Scott doesn't know what to do with him because like it doesn't fit his thing. So I, I love the I love the Martian scene. I love how that whole play, how that whole thing plays out. But like, just the suspense, the fact that he can give you suspense. With like a trash can, a pen, and a stapler.
0: Well, now, now that we were talking about Ridley Scott, I wanted to watch Man on Fire. Yes. And so now, when I watch Which Man Neither on Fire, so I'm going to think of that. Yeah, Yeah, of how he <laughs> views characters, of like <laughs> their hierarchy. Yeah, I wonder
1: who. I, yeah, I wonder who the authority figure in that movie is. We'll find out. But I guarantee you, Denzel Washington is just a hardworking schmo. Who has like a couple employees, but like there's some guy above them. I, I'm telling well, you
0: right now. I haven't even seen it, and I know at one point <clears throat> there was a man on fire. <laughs> Where does he land? We will find out. We will find out. And until next time uh stay scary watch a bunch of horror movies subscribe to this on youtube if you're watching up there we started uploading over there so if you do that great we have like some subscribers which i didn't know because we just kind of like threw some shit over there yeah. uh also rate and review on itunes if you can and then eventually we'll have our own rss feed for missed it by that much so you'll, yes. another review we would love you for a long time and hit that new and noteworthy that's the goal New and noteworthy. Exactly we're gonna right. put we're gonna put a lot of rocket fuel we are from nasa and uh, the martian we are into that,
1: it's absolutely right, and that's what we're going to do. And give us five stars because that's the constellation funny, of awesomeness. Um, Prometheus, remember, like in the cave. Was right? it five? I
0: don't know. Who That, was, that makes that plot line like Five out. stars, five points <laughs> makes another star. Giant star, Super Mario. There we go. till next time. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye, guys.